My name is Ben Needham. I'm a co-creator on the upcoming Cleveland show, Shadow of the Run, and you're listening to No Proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. Hey gang, welcome to episode 102 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. This week on the show, this is a really fun conversation we have coming up for you. Landon Zachheim, co-director of the Overlook Film Festival, which made a huge splash this winter in the immersive scene. He's here in the NoPro headquarters, uh, I can see I can see his Force Ghost right here. He's not dead. No, he's not dead. He's not one with the Force. But I can see his Force Ghost right here in front of me because this is where we had that conversation, and it is a good one. I'm gonna get to that and a bunch more in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. And once again, our sponsor is you. Yes, you, the wonderful Patreon backers of No Proscenium. You know this show. Um, we, we gather material both here on the show and at noproscenium.com and we drive ourselves insane moderating everything immersive, the Facebook group, which keeps on getting bigger and bigger all the time. And, uh, you know, despite what people think, this is not our full-time job, but one day, one day, maybe it will be. And one of the roads that leads to that one day is our Patreon campaign. Patreon.com slash noforsinium is where you go. If everyone who listened to this show and everyone who is in Everything Immersive pledged just a dollar a month, the world would change overnight. Now, I know that's not going to happen, and that's fine. So fewer of you can pledge $2, some of you can pledge $5. You know, there's ways to make this really, really work. And believe you me, we need the support the latest people to join our campaign for global dominate uh for the improvement and boosting of immersive everything are sean raider and anik zhang thank you both for becoming backers and as always if i butchered your name please tell me and i will say your name again on air but don't just go changing the pronunciation of your name because you want me to say it again because that would be weird because then i would butcher your name I should probably charge extra for that. All right. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Let's do this thing. You know what else we need to do? We need to do the opening segment. Oh, yeah. We've got one. This week, we are live at the Hollywood Fringe Festival with our friends from My Haunt Life. It was late at night. And, uh, and Mike was eating tacos. So, you know, such is the way of the world. Here you go, live on the scene at the corner of Vine and Santa Monica, no proscenium. This is going? All right, yeah, this is going. All right, here we are. We're at the taco truck outside the three clubs at the Hollywood Fringe, uh, reporting live on the scene. It's Noah, and I'm here with... Russell from... Oh. Russell from My Haunt Life. And, and Mike. Who's eating? From My Haunt Life, who's, uh, who's eating tacos at the taco truck. Mike, Mike decided where we were going to meet. Uh, 
Mike's stomach makes all the decisions around here. Gentlemen, uh, how's how's the fringe going so far? Uh, it's it's been pretty fun so far, absolutely. And as you can tell, I'm hoarse and tired. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just eight minutes to midnight the night before the show goes up. Um, so how many how many shows have you boys managed to see so far? Well, you figured it out, Mike, for last weekend between the two of us. Uh, so far, as of now, we've seen twenty one or twenty two shows, and that's over the span of five days. Five total days. Five total days, 22 shows. I, I'm, I'm only in, I think, nine, <laughs> right? But I am only one human being. So. I, ch- I challenge you to step up your game, sir. Well, luckily, you guys, so, so you know, we know this show is immersive, uh, but you guys, you guys do some other genre stuff. So what, I'm, I'm going to come back around to that in a second, but in terms of, in terms of immersive things, is there anything... Is there anything that you guys think is like the the can't miss pray to extend because so many things are sold out. Is there anything? Yeah. Uh, Capital W's red flags, but Russell hasn't done it yet. But and I know it's sold out, but that needs to be extended because people need to see that and take part in that. That's such a good show. I've actually heard that about Red Flags from numerous people, and I'm seeing it, I think, in a week. So I am so looking forward to that. I think you're going to have a really, a really good time. Yeah, no, there's, there's been nothing. No, I've yet to hear a bad thing about the show, and I've seen it myself, the early form of it. I'm like, yeah. And we're lucky in that it's going to the San Diego Fringe, and then it's getting an extension. Uh, and frankly, it's something they can kind of bust out whenever they want to. It's really, there's one person's schedule that matters the most on that show. Actually, I find it interesting that uh, I guess a, a few shows from the Hollywood Fringe are going to the San Diego Fringe. That's right. So I'm very happy to hear that, that some of these shows will go on and, and have life at other festivals. That's really cool. Now, I don't want to get all your picks out of you because that's what you guys get to do in your show. But uh, for, those, for those who are like, oh, you know, like, if I'm going to go to Fringe, I should catch out their stuff too. Like, I don't have to just stick to immersive. Is there anything... Think, think hard here. I know Mike and I have a show that we would not tell people to go see, but we'll just let that one suffer in silence. Um, but um, maybe you can maybe you can figure out which one uh, over at No Pro that one is. Uh, anything anything out there in the great wide world people should check out? You just came off of something. Um, I well, there's a couple off the top of my head. Um, London Calling, which is a musical, and they use the songs from The Clash. I love that show um, Buffy Kills Edward is a, is a horror comedy that I love the, Russell and I both love that one and it's where um, Edward or Buffy the Vampire's universe merges with Twilight's universe so the characters can coexist um, merges I, I would say collides head on <laughs> nice and hopefully murders, or I'm sorry, un unmurders undead. How do you can you kill a vampire? Spoiler, spoiler yeah. no, uh, no, no, yeah, no. It's in the title. It's in the title. That's true. He's got you there. Um, I saw a show tonight called Char- "The Charlatan Secrets of the Victorian Psychics," which was basically a debunking magic show, but it, it also a history lesson of how the psychics worked and showed you how they did things but wouldn't tell you how they did things. It was really, 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 really good. That's fantastic. Russell? Uh, I I agree with his picks. I'm seeing Charlatan later in the run and uh, something that I saw that I really, really enjoyed that only has a few performances scheduled is Pledge, uh, which is a dark comedy slash drama 
about what happens at a fraternity after one of the members kills himself. Well, an uplifting show. Yeah, that sounds that sounds cheery, there, Russell. Thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the midnight cheering pick. All right, well, gentle. I go for the feels. You, you do. That is that is a known fact that you go for the feels. Gen- but he's not talking about emotions. <laughs> this is my show, not yours. Oh God! <laughs> but now it's your show. But where is your show? When people want to find out the rest of you guys' fringe picks and the fun and the adventures you're having, how do uh, we find you? Please check us out at myhauntlife.com, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at myhauntlife. Um, and uh, something else that uh, Mike and I both thoroughly enjoyed that I'd kind of like to point to is um, "So You Want to Be a Vampire," which uh, we saw a kind of a clunky preview performance, but we are so looking forward to seeing how that develop. Actually, right before we started recording this, you and I were talking about things that should be developed further, yes. and I think that, that falls into that category, Noah. You know, like, like, such potential. Such amazing potential. And that's the real key to Fringe, is that like you, you come to this festival, you know, and if you get something that's like fully baked and could like be, be weaponized and put in anywhere... Like oh, holy hosanna! Like what a miracle! Because like that, and that's great. And and you, you consider yourself like blessed, but you're coming here to see stuff that's that's in the raw, and that has got potential, and that's going to be developed. And that's what's exciting about it. And along those same lines, uh, two things that Mike and I have both seen, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed both of them. Very different on the spectrum, but they, you know, you know, we lean toward the dark stuff. Yeah. Uh, nothing bad. A werewolf. Uh, I'm sorry, what was the name again? Nothing Bad. A werewolf rock musical. Thank you. And um, the other one is Jack the Ripper's Mistress, which is fascinating. Oh, boy. All right. Well, <laughs> gentlemen, yes. people can dig all that at, on your show. We're going to slide back out here. But I think we, we, we may be back uh, on the ground of the fringe uh, next week. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how it is. Admin, I'll see you at Everything Immersive. Yes, you will. All right, and uh, and now back to the studio, <laughs> i.e. my kitchen table. <laughs> and thanks again to the guys for talking to me in the middle of the night out in Hollywood for the Fringe Festival. If you are anywhere in Los Angeles, you know, get on down there. Just come on down. You'll probably see us at Fringe Central, if nothing else. All right, now, once again, we don't do the news anymore. If you want to know what's going on in the world, you go to nopersinium.com and you look for everything immersive this week. We've got the date on there and everything. So this time it's everything immersive uh, for uh, six slash nine slash seventeen. Oh, you thought I was going to say it? I'm not going to say it. Um, look for that edition. There is a bunch in there. Uh, everything from uh, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference to um, uh, blanked on stuff. Oh, this massive escape room that the folks at Room Escape Artist reviewed uh, out in Amsterdam, the Sherlocked. All that's in there. Links to our fringe reviews. It's just, it's, I'm not going to say it's lit because then I'll sound like a dad. Oh, darn, I am. Well, I'm not a dad, so I can't make dad jokes, which is not true at all. Hey, you come for the interview. I know you do. That's why the show is more efficient. This conversation is one of the most fun I've had in a while. Landon's definitely going to be back on the show again. Uh, Let me set this up for you. The Overlook Film Festival is a horror film festival uh, that is becoming more than just a film festival. It is a festival of all things horror. Now, Landon will explain exactly what it is, but Landon Zackheim, uh, he works in the film festival circuit. Uh, He's a programmer. 
He sees a lot of movies. He's a genre fan. Uh, and they've been working on this festival uh, in, in, in the idea of it, the soul of it, for a long time. And it has uh, sprouted up on a, on a mountainside way up there. And it was just a seismic rupture for the immersive horror scene because Blackout was there. Annie Lesser had the chalet. Of course, there's the weekend game. We're going to get into all those details, but I just want to put my thumb down here and say probably one of the most significant events to happen to immersive in the past year was the Overlook Film Festival. And I'm so glad that one of the people at the heart of it is just this super fan and connoisseur of this stuff and i can't wait to have landon back on the show in one form or another but you're lucky because you get to hear this interview right now Oh, hey, gang. Hey, oh, you just stole my line, man. <laughs> so clearly, clearly listens to the show. Uh, Landon, you're, you run the, so wait, what is, what is, I'll probably do in the soft open, but like everybody, this is secret origin of, of how I learned how to identify Landon. What is your title over at Overlook? Uh, I am the festival co-director at the Overlook Film okay. Festival. So uh, I, I co-run the fest with my partner, Michael Lerman. And then we have another a number of other partners and kind of members of the team that kind of keep the whole thing going. So you guys just successfully wrapped up your first year, got a lot of buzz on it, uh, people talking all over the place, uh, which is fantastic. And I just want to say, and, and I haven't said this to you yet, even though we've been talking for about 40, 40 minutes now <laughs> and we haven't started the thing, it's been great, um, that... Um, uh, and I've been saying this to people is that like, I think that you've managed because of your love of immersive, which I know from meeting you out in the field, um, you've managed with Overlook to strike a, a mighty blow for sort of the indie level of, of immersive into the public mainstream consciousness in a way that I hadn't gotten to see yet. So thank you for that. <laughs> that was, that's, that's, that's an accomplishment. And I'm so glad you used the platform of this film festival you run to help bring people into this world. Um, that is very awesome to hear. Uh, yeah, no, we never... Got him, guys. You did not know I was going to say that. <laughs> I, uh, it, it, it's... Yeah, I'm a little flustered already. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. 40 minutes and I hit you with it, so... Uh. The, um, I mean, yeah, that it's great to hear. It, it's something, you know, it, it's, it's not like we consciously said like oh we're gonna blow immersive white out so uh it, it's we're still oh, kind of yeah. wrestling with what the uh kind of impact uh, is gonna be I, I think it was a really positive um like a really you know a really positive experience for a lot of people and so that's always that's always helpful when you're starting a new festival mm-hmm. um you know for us uh especially like my partner mike lerman and i were both uh uh really interested in the idea of connecting artists with audiences um the overlook is run by a bunch of people who've been involved with film festivals for for a long time i've been a festival programmer for over a decade i work for a bunch of different festivals so does my partner so do a bunch of our staff yeah. and so, so it's so surprised like, it was a success out of the box because it's it's like it's like the indie band that's been like 
you know, touring for a long time and finally, you know, like gets their first big shot <laughs> right. in, in some ways. I mean, but maybe give maybe give like a line of like what for those who don't know. And I think a lot of people listening to the show will know. But just just in the off chance, someone's digging through the, the archives, mm-hmm. as people do. People like people discover it, and then like they'll mainline the entire thing, and I'll be like, "Oh, what are you listening to that one for?" No, you know? that's, what, that's what that's what I did. Actually. Yeah, I know everybody does it. It's so weird. It's like, how can you handle my voice that much? Um, I can't. Uh, but uh, what is what is Overlook? Yeah. So the um, yeah, that's a good way to start. Uh, the Overlook <laughs> should have been how film. I started. But you know this. You know this show. It's a mess. The uh, the Overlook Film Festival is a four day celebration of all things horror. Uh, at uh, the hotel used in Kubrick's The Shining. Uh, for uh, He used it for the exteriors uh, of the Overlook Hotel. Uh, it's the Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon. Uh, and it, it basically exists to celebrate genre. Uh, we show primarily, you know, we're it's a film festival in its title. So we're primarily a film festival. Uh, we show the best in, um, in horror cinema. Uh, it's usually a combination of kind of festival favorites and uh, fresh new discoveries. We have a really robust short film lineup. We do a number of live shows, and we really like to explore um, the way artists can work within horror um, outside of the film medium. So we like to do uh, theatrical uh, events, storytelling, music, uh, live podcasts, things of that nature, um, more unusual panel discussions. And then, yeah, kind of the secret weapon of the festival is is uh, um, what's becoming an immersive lineup. Uh, it's something that started in the origins because we did a, a kind of a, a past iteration of the festival in Colorado. And so we started there with having kind of a weekend-long immersive game. And then that expanded into now showcasing immersive works. And then the goal... Um, why I was starting to talk about like our staff and, and kind of our interest in festivals is, you know, when you when you program a film festival, generally your goal is to expose audiences to artists and mm-hmm. to expose artists to each other. You want to create an atmosphere where artists can work together and meet each other and potentially collaborate. Um, but what we saw with Overlook uh, as an opportunity was to expand that and get film artists and audiences and press and industry and volunteers and fans alike to kind of come together and experience a whole new spectrum of things and 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 kind of get exposed to immersive horror uh in a way that we knew a lot of people that would come to our festival may not have and yeah we're big immersive fans you really only get to get exposed to it the first time like yeah. that there's that first magical moment yeah. and so it's really exciting to kind of create an environment where you know, ideally year after year, we will be able to give that opportunity to a bunch of new people cycling through. And then also provide an opportunity for more experienced, immersive fans to kind of cycle through some of their old favorites or catch up with pieces they haven't tried before. So the idea is to to kind of have a whole environment where um, any kind of level of fan or someone who has no idea what it is can kind of feel safe to try it. Now, as a film programmer, you you go to a lot of festivals, you watch a crap ton of movies, you you get submissions in. How do you program immersive into a festival? Um, That's a good question, and it's probably one that is going to evolve and change kind of as the festival grows. Uh, the you know at the moment for films we take submissions, but we also we also scout and curate. Um, but for immersive, you know, I don't it's not really the same as submitting 
because, you know, you have to experience an actual show. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, our policy at the moment is we won't uh, we won't curate something unless at least one of us has gone through it and really stands up for it. Um, and then, of course, there is we know what our space is and we know what our budget concerns are. So there's definitely some shows that are amazing that we immediately know, like, well, I don't know how we'd ever mount that here. Right. Either because and- it makes no sense to do it up there. I mean, like it, we are just to paint a picture the it is it is an isolated hotel on the side of a mountain there covered is in snow. covered in snow and uh there's a popsicle uh, of a man outside <laughs> i would love i mean honestly in a perfect world we would have a jack torrance ice sculpture <laughs> just out there it'd be a good photo op um Someone, but, someone, someone yeah. can make it. Someone can three D print that for yeah. you. You know. Yeah. No. There's a lot of like cool little ideas of that that we'd like to do. You know, this was a first. For, by and large, it was a first year. It was done on a lot of favors and a lot of volunteer labor. So you know, there's a lot of there are a lot of uh, uh, programs. We were able to do almost everything we wanted to do, but there's still there's a lot of programs we're saving for future years when right. we can kind of get more resources or figure out you know figure out the space. Um, you know, there's a lot of little improvements we know we want to make already. We, we're spending a lot of time kind of wrapping out and going over all the details of the festival and figuring out how to just tweak it and make it, a, uh, you know, a better audience experience, a better logistic experience. So, yeah. you know, all that stuff. It's, it's always, I mean, it, what was impressive to me viewing from afar uh, the coverage and, and all was that it, it, you guys seem to have it down pat. And it doesn't surprise me given like the the experience you have working for other festivals because that's what it that's what it takes it's just it's it, it it's sort of funny to me that people go like oh it's this thing and like just out of nowhere and look how well they do it and i know there's going to be somebody somewhere going like oh yeah it's got to be easy to put one of these things <laughs> off these guys need to appear out of nowhere and it's like no nah, well, that was not out of nowhere no it is you know? it is it is incredibly difficult uh uh to do it um but no i think you know the world it, it's funny the world doesn't need another film festival uh but <laughs> unless Unless you can kind of offer something unique. And luckily, you know, between the hook of the location and the idea behind it and kind of, you know, some of the the good press and track record we've had when trying to mount this in the past that like we were able to get a lot of people who who think it's a good idea yeah. or really want to be involved. And so, you know, it, it becomes a passion project for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, in some ways, it, it, on the film festival circuit, it feels almost like a cousin to something like Fantastic Fest in Austin, you know, in that which is also a genre fest. This is like got a tighter... It's funny because like Overlook has a tighter focus in terms of genre, but a broader iris in terms of you know what it's it becomes like a genre festival as they it is a horror festival as much as it is a a film festival yeah and it's it's funny you mentioned fantastic fest because they're like we're all friends they're big supporters of ours a couple of them are are on our board of advisors and um uh like we kind of work in tandem to help each other out it's a very like the horror community is uh a very tight-knit community Mm -hmm. um and it's a very supportive community and that's kind of like the big joke you always uh, see where it's like oh horror directors tend to be the nicest people like in, uh, like you'll ever meet well, um, if you're going to convince someone to do some of the stuff they got to convince people to do you better be nice yeah or or a full on sociopath that can pretend to be nice um, I don't so, know what that's about though yeah I mean so we're just- <laughs> Um, I was going to go go off track. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, please! Uh, the uh, it's always fun when someone else is responsible for the digressions. Yeah. Uh, when I when I interviewed Simon Birch of uh, of the Fourteenth Factory, he's the one who brought up Star Wars. So I was like, and I was like, oh, it's not me. I didn't do it. Uh, I didn't yeah. do it. No, I'm not. I'm not no, going to make that you're mistake. Not gonna, you're not going to. Uh, the uh, we established that before the show. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we're, what we're trying to do is make horror summer camp. 
Yeah. And uh, or winter camp is the case, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that it's funny, like a lot of people would say, oh, is this like snowstorm going to impede the festival? And like, yeah, from an ops standpoint, it definitely makes things harder. But it was so funny to see everybody get really excited because of kind of the optics of it and the aesthetic and, and how much more fun they thought the experience would be for our guests and, and filmmakers and attendees that it actually kept us going. So it was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be much harder to build this theater, lugging this equipment through the snow and these kind of road conditions. But... Um, it's going to make this festival look so much cooler. Yeah. We're all excited. Like, so production it, value to the roof. To see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that Snowden feeling, we liked that there was going to be snow when we were eyeing that venue. Like, uh, that uh, Mount Hood has snow through June, apparently. It's the oh, longest wow. ski season of the year. So there'll always be snow at the festival. Um, and that just, that just felt exciting to us. Um, you know, as long as we can run everything safely so you know sometimes that does mean making sure it's checking with staff members it's making sure that they get sleep it's making sure that people aren't driving Mm -hmm. uh if they are um you know if they've worked over a certain number of hours per day um i love hearing this coming from you like the the logistics guy deep inside my heart like these are the kinds of questions that always came up for me when i was working like on festival side or like like doing like 80s stuff for somebody was is a crew being taken care of yeah. you know is everything going like are we gonna be able to do this safely and on time like those are two things i always ever cared about and so like i love hearing this yeah i mean that's sort of your concern is that is always when you're planning kind of an event like this is you know like well one like can you do it and it's yeah. like can you do it safely then can you do it well so it's like you need to be able to pull it off you need to make sure there are like functional mechanics in place that it's safe, that it makes sense, you know, you, that there are, you know, how to do line management, you know, and then you start to work on comfort. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's as the festival continues, then the theaters hopefully will improve, get a little more luxurious. But, but right, the, you know, your first year concerns are usually like, can I pull it off yeah. and hit the basic functionality? And yeah, no, safety is is the first kind of goal. You know it's snowy. You know you're dealing with an influx of attendees. And the idea and every guest is is equally as important. Yeah. So um and that's part of the whole mission statement of the festival. The the whole idea is that your tributees and somebody who bought just a single ticket for a film that day can end up in the same kind of atmosphere and environment and, and talk together. It's something it's one of the reasons we actually brought the immersive game into the original incarnation of the festival Mm. was to be an icebreaker. Um, Some mystery that was permeating throughout the weekend that different people could talk about with each other. That's that. So it it would be a way that, so instead of kind of a usual networking kind of thing, which is not really the vibe of our festival and not something I've ever really enjoyed out of festivals. It's, it's something that, um, people can be talking about like, oh, this ancient artifact that the construction uh, uncovered. It, it becomes it becomes the one show everyone's seen. Like, what's fun about running around somewhere like Sundance is you get on the bus and you you like just start asking people like, oh, what what have you seen? Oh, what's good? And then you're trading those notes and maybe you'll go off and, and see it, but never be sure. But like when you can run into someone and you've actually seen something, a different conversation breaks out. So yeah. that's really cool that you guys originally just were like, oh, this will be a good icebreaker. So now that you're like. Pulling in other stuff. This year you pulled in ABC Projects, Apartment 8, which yeah. became The Chalet, and you pulled in Blackout. What, what was the thinking there in terms of pulling in those two? Because I want because maybe it'll help shed light on yeah, you know, yeah. how people can go, ooh, ooh, me, me, I want my thing. Blackout uh, is something that we'd been wanting to 
uh, do for a long time. We'd been talking to those guys for a few years. So, like, yeah, when we did the first version of the fest in Colorado, the the they wanted to. We'd been talking about bringing them on, uh, and then when we took a break to kind of move venues and rename uh, the uh, like, we still they were still interested. Luckily, and we were still really interested in working with them. Uh, and to us, and like the doc had come out by that point. At right, that point, too, the doc yeah. had come out. Yeah, and uh, it's but like we'd been talking to them beforehand. It's funny because I had. I, I, I eventually was able to kind of go through a blackout, but I had not done it beforehand because I'd always heard, I feel like they trap, you know, they, they, I don't want to speak for them, but they, it does seem like, you know, they do enjoy kind of a swell of, there's rumor about that show that yeah. definitely works to their advantage. Yeah. And so I was, as much as I was really interested in immersive and, and doing as many shows as I could, especially like, you know, in the last couple of years, I was still a little too scared to do blackout. Uh, <laughs> and part of it is I laugh, but everyone knows like I'm like, oh, eh, probably not for me. It didn't yeah. have to do with the narrative. And and it's not that I didn't feel safe. Mm. It was more that. So I have like, um, like I have a torn meniscus in my left like, uh, uh, knee. And, uh, and I have a pinched nerve. And I was just like, I don't want to get hurt. That's yeah. my thing. I don't want to get hurt. And I don't want to get thrown around. Yeah. And I don't like that. And they said, it's in one of my earliest conversations with them, it was either Chris or Josh who said uh, um, what they find interesting and something that's stuck with me, that um, if you put your hand on someone's throat mm-hmm. and start to squeeze, but yeah. don't act, like don't actually squeeze. Just start to, to almost give the threat of squeezing. Yeah, that is enticing and terrifying, and and brings about a lot of emotions. If you start squeezing and you actually cut off someone's air supply and they choke, that is not fun. It hurts. It's not comfortable, um, and it breaks a spell. And they don't trust you or care about what you're doing anymore, by yeah. and large. Yeah. And so the threat that you might hurt somebody is powerful. Actually, hurting somebody hurts your show, and like, mm. and just it kills the magic. It hurts the person. Like, and yes, you know there is a sect of people that you, want to be choked. You just made but... this convince me to go to blackout. God. <laughs> Damn well, here's it. the thing. I'll convince you even further. You know, having gone, got, going through one of the rehearsals that we did at Overlook and going and, and kind of, you know, having these extended conversations with them, like what, what impresses me about um, the mechanics of Blackout is how almost operatic they make uh, the the kind of feeling of, of space invasion. Right. And they've been doing this so long because they've been doing this longer than most yeah. that like they really have control of their bodies and control of the space and an understanding of how p- other people interact with that space. So to watch them work, it is like watching an expert level. Like if you can call somebody an expert at, you know, threatening bodily harm they it, it's it's incredible to watch them work they have incredible control brian, and restraint brian bishop was was breaking down the experience uh at overlook for me because uh, i was like, like give me the deets and it was it was similar to a piece i think they had done before that another friend the first time i ever heard about them someone described to me something very similar to what the piece at, at, at overlook was and but like Brian was giving me like you know his like play by play and like some of like you know his he had some similar physical issues um, uh, to what you have and I was I was impressed I was impressed by the degree of of care that they they showed and you know there's the cynical part where you wonder like all right you know there's there's the 
there's the programmer and, and press class, and then there's just the punters uh, of the three Ps. And, you know, what are they going to get? But the, the, the vibe I get is that the care is, is real. Um, but I also know some people who, like, I mean, some people seem to get, like, really, really triggered by some things. I still haven't watched the, um, the, the weird thing is I haven't watched the doc yet. And both Abel and Russ, who are, you know, constants here in the, the mm-hmm. uh, L.A. scene, Abel being, you know, of serial killer speed dating and, and oh, yeah. urban death and Russ of My Hot Life are both in that doc. And part of me almost hasn't watched the doc yet just because, like, I, f- I might feel weird about seeing them in the context of the doc. I need to do it, though. I mean, it's like it's easy for me to do. I don't know why I haven't done it yet. They, it's funny. The doc, though, the doc wasn't made by them, which yeah. is kind of interesting. So it, it does, it, it, there's, it, so it's like they appear in the doc, mm. but they're not the creative force behind the right. doc. So it, it, it it's... It's still somebody else's perspective of what the right. show is and what they're willing to reveal. And it seems like, you know, they've they've become less mysterious now. It's just, it's interesting to see how much, going back to, you know, kind of why we put Blackout at Overlook, uh, besides the fact that we were interested and we also knew an audience was interested because they've been a little bit quiet compared to some of the other newer companies yeah. uh, for a while. And we knew that there was a new fan base that has really want, wants to try it. Uh, we felt that if we were going to curate uh, short immersive horror work, which obviously that is that is our space, um, it, to ignore Blackout felt like we were sort of doing a disservice to the legacy of mm. modern immersive horror. Uh, so, and there's something, I mean, they, they first popped up, I did this in a recent episode. Was it like, 2009? 2009, the yeah. same year that ART did Sleep No More. Their so, origin story is super interesting, just how they evolved. And, yeah. and and the techniques they were doing are still used in a lot of immersive shows. You know, they, like, uh, you know, I, I'd be very curious to know, like, who was the first to hood somebody or, like, something like that. But, like, I think they lay claim to a lot of techniques that still get used by a number of other companies that evolve from them. And, and so it just felt like the same way we have, you know, we, we honored Roger Corman this year with, um, we have a Master of Horror Award. Mm. And so it just, uh, a lot of horror in film emulates a lot of horror from the past. You know, it's, it's definitely a, a sphere where there's, where the influences are very palpable. And so it just, yeah, if, if we're going to program, we kind of apply that to our programming as well. Like there was something about making sure that you honor yeah. kind of what has come. It just, it, there's something that felt kind of wrong about not having something like Blackout yeah. at the festival if we were going to be in this space and be curating these other things. That's, it's so important to to recognize the roots or recognize who's been pioneering in a space because, you know, if you just, if you just drop in cold and start acting like, oh yeah, we're, we're, like I'm the guy who originated this. You start sounding like our president. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It's just well, it's because we. we Some, someone's going to hear that and be be pissed off. But like, search your feelings. You know it to be true. We we, uh. we thought about. Um, well, it, it's when we were thinking about people who curated. It's just like if you're going to use people that either seem directly inspired by Blackout and we, you know, or, or worked for Blackout or like we're part of that sphere. Like, I think we should just, it's like, well, why don't we just get talk to Blackout? Yeah. Um, and, you know, because of their reputation, there's definitely were concerns. You know, we wanted to make sure that nobody who didn't want to be there was there right. because, because that's, you know, that's not exactly what I would call your starter immersive <laughs> kit where if somebody's like, Oh, what should I try? Yeah. Um, that said, a lot of industry did go through Blackout and went, 
crazy for it. Oh, wow. Um, and, like, we, I talked to some people afterwards who just felt, like, really transformed. I talked to some people who really didn't know, you know, what to do as well. And those people were, like, they were really good about um, cycling out people that were just not um, participating. Mm. Um, I don't want to say correctly, but, like, not not participating in, like, productive ways you know it's definitely when you have some new like new types of people there who maybe aren't reading their waiver too closely or something like like we had a good system in place and they had a good system in place where you know the people who wanted to be in there and were participating the way you were supposed to be were in there and and you know uh those who were not either you know we were able to cancel cancel them or like they those who got scared off by the waiver or hearing about it like we made sure to talk to everybody yeah. who was signed up this, this to make is, sure they knew what they were getting into this this is like a, a huge thing we, we I talk about this with people even in the context of like other like not horror immersives not scary intense stuff but like there's always there's this thing now particularly when you get like people break off into one-on-ones or where things are really really tracked out and this is something we were talking about like before the show about you know like that feeling of like, oh, but like someone over there is having like a better time than me just because like I, I, can, yeah. I can sense it, right? You know, if you can hear it down a hallway or, or, or see it through a window and you're like, but I want to be, I want to be doing what that guy's doing, not right. what I'm doing right now. And that's, that's a danger. And, and I, I wish there was some easier way to, to track people into kind of what would meld with them the best. Cause yeah. I think about, you know, going to the grand paradise and if I hadn't wound up on the track, I wound up the first night there, I might have come away from that show being, eh. But I and I know people who came away from that show who who went on that track who were, eh. Um, but for me, it was the right track to go on. Mm. Or I think about, you know, the Willows or or Then She Fell, which both use like a seating chart thing at the top uh, or near to the top to determine which tracks you go on. And it's so kind of luck of the draw. And I, I start imagining like, well, is there a way to like, the perfect thing would be you ingest three or four people. You, you kind of give a read on them yeah. and be like, okay, you're, you're going to like this and then send you down that way. But there's but no, so there's no way to, hard. it'd be impossible. Everybody approaches things individually. Like you never know how someone's mind works, how they're taking something yeah. in. Facial reactions and body language can be so misleading. You know, just having heard from other performers, this is why, like, this is why I can't date. No. Well, no, but like you think, <laughs> but like you think I'm that bad at reading you, people. You think that you think someone's not into something and find out later like they were just really impressed oh. by it, or you think someone's really into it and you find out later they were not, and it's like uh, so. I'm having, I'm having traumatic flashbacks of a different type right now. To be, well, sorry. well, listen, we're I, we're here to improve your dating. Um, take more take these than, tips from immersive. More, more than you know. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, but like, yeah, no. I mean, that's a whole other thing, though, about like just well, because there's so much emotional manipulation in even the best of immersive that, like, yeah. if something works really well, you feel really rattled by something that somebody designed to, you know, somebody designed to spike various emotions of you. Right. Like, like, yeah. I mean, the Grand Paradise is supposed to be very like sexy, and yeah. what's funny is that the the, the Takeaway I took the thing that impressed me most about Grand Paradise when I did it was um, the uh, the functionality. How they uh, what really blew my mind. This is how I know I'm like just like super nerdy about this stuff. <laughs> is that uh, as interesting as I found the world? What blew me away was how they would track you from open world to closed world, mm. and how they would try to do that very seamlessly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think at one point I got handed a candle by somebody and was like, follow the other people with the candles. And then that led to, I realized they were closing off 
rooms. And I was like, oh my God, they did that without me realizing it. And they got a whole, you know, their whole space was open with people wandering around freely. And they were able to close every single one of us off. And we were a full audience into different sections. And they did that, you know, with very minute, like it didn't interrupt the show. And it, it, it got us there. Like, yeah, they it it was so well thought out that how one, they moved you. That one was that part was really seamless. But the the funky thing though being that it, it was also I don't know because like I because I because I went back like two nights later and like I I made sure I got tracked into something different. But then about halfway through that track, it became the same again. So it's ah. it's really I started thinking. You know, I had this thought the other day because we were what is it? I showed somebody. Uh, oh, I showed my housemate. Uh, I think it was um, the 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 Pandora ride at Disney World. Right now, we're going to talk Disney, and we you know, uh, yeah. here we go. So I went to Disney World for the first time this year. Actually, oh, really? I'm, I'm a Disneyland nerd, like, but I I didn't know Disney World at all. WDW is different. I only I only went once when I was in junior high, and I I mean I was born in Orange County, and so like some of my earliest memories are of Disneyland. And then I like would dream of Disney World. Like for two years running, I bought the the like uh, what I can't remember. There was a there was a used to be a travel guide uh, for Disney World, and I would just read that obsessively, planning out the ultimate trip to Disney World, where we were going to stay, <laughs> what order to do the rides. Yeah, like yeah. Every weekend, I was like just planning, planning, planning. And then when I finally actually went, it was a total disaster. But that's another story for a totally different podcast. But I was thinking about like if you've seen the video of the uh, the the Avatar or what are, the Navi. Oh God, I can't remember, remember that. But like, there's a Navi shaman. And the way they move is like, it, it seems like it's a real thing. Actually, the freakier one is they've got one of like the avatars like in a, a tank and it's sleeping and then it twitches. And like my housemate and I were watching and we literally just watching this video, we've like jerked back and like kind of like screamed almost because it looked like it was a real thing. But what I was thinking about was that, you know, they've got those magic bands at Walt Disney World. Yeah, yeah. And they could probably program, uh, if, if those things those things have a, at least some degree of RFID in them. And I could imagine a version of the magic band where the animatronic creatures could like know where you basically are. And so it could like turn to look at you, but it won't probably be able to track your eye because it's tracking based on your wrist. Right, but the right. fact that something's turning to look at you, you're going to lock eyes with it. You know, you're going to try and catch the oh, game. That's interesting. That, those bands are scary though. The oh, amount God, yeah. of data collection they have on that. Oh, I mean, they track all of your movements, your purchases, like what they have on you and how they can use oh, that. Hi, Landon. Welcome back. It's crazy. Did you enjoy going on the world today? Yeah, uh-huh. it's so it's so ridiculous. That's not a bad Mickey. I think that's it's time not... for your nap time. <laughs> all right, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> no more of that. <laughs> um, the uh, the uh, <laughs> it's better than me busting out Bane. So <laughs> uh, the. Um, yeah, the, but they used to have E.T. Uh, at uh, the E.T. ride in Universal, Universal used to, you'd get a card in line mm. and you'd have to input your name and uh, uh, and so they, they you know, put it on their computer and print out your card. It was like your passport or something like that because you'd be in a long forest line. Mm. Um, yeah, because I grew up out here and so we went to, yeah, we'd go to the to Universal. I think it's where the mummy ride is now in That's Universal. Boring. But like the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you'd go in and then, you know, you'd get a video of Steven Spielberg telling you that you have to save E.T.'s planet. And so the first part would be kind of emulating the movie. And then you'd go to E.T.'s planet. And there's like a whole planet of E.T.'s. And then you somehow save the planet. Uh, you know, it's one of those rides where like the story just yeah. ends. And then at the very end, you have like the real E.T. And he'll say everyone's name as it 
as you came by. So it'd be like, you know, like, Noah, Landon. And uh, like, we thought that was amazing. And then as kids, of course, you start to put fake names in and then yeah. you'd be like, ah, ha, ha, that's not my name. And like, you know. But face. But yeah, we loved it. I think that, yeah, I, I, I feel like they must have, they had names. Screen like the same screen. way that like, Naughty the, word. The splash, splash Mountain won't uh, will like sure. remove pictures before they can be seen yeah. if like someone does something inappropriate. I feel like they probably yeah. they probably had. That. Oh, I'm sure they did. But no, it was like that. I remember thinking was incredible. Where it was like ET said my name like, in the ET voice. That's awesome. And it was like because my my name is kind of like an odd name. It was always like Landon. Or like something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's because someone like me was yeah. like sitting behind there going. But what if it was computerized or like an actor just doing the... Probably an actor. We get really mad. I remember if the ride broke down in some capacity so that the names got out of order. So it's like if you got... Like if the ride stopped or whatever and then somebody said like the name of like somebody out there would be like this is this is ridiculous like this is bullshit i can't believe we uh, that's that is the can't trouble we waited online for this ride and we didn't even get our name called by et correctly oh my god yeah that's like that's the thing like when the grace notes are an interesting tool because if you land a grace note right you can really make uh, an otherwise kind of eh experience sing but if you blow a grace note, you can take a totally solid show and wreck it because yeah. like I, they tried to personalize it and then they blew it. But it's so funny how much a little personalization goes a long way. I, I do think that speaks to like inherent narcissism, uh, which I do think it's why uh, not obviously there's a lot more to it. But I do think it's it, 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 there's there is an interest in that in audiences like immersive is exploiting a yeah. very me centric there's an emotional uh, or need. it's using it to its advantage yeah there, there's an emotional need and and that's that's connection right i mean we live in a world where we're disconnected from each other even though we know more about each other than we, we probably ever have yeah. like, we know more about more people well it's that thing about like on face I, I i i catch up with people far less in real life but i because i feel like you know someone will say oh should we go get a drink it's like why i i Saw your Facebook timeline. I know what you've been up to. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's when I used to like back in the live journal days. Like I'd call my best friend and start talking, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I read your post." So I stopped doing live. I was like, "No, I want to tell my best friend what my day's like, and not have him like be like surmise it." You know, not that there weren't often like great stories yeah. to like share, but um, it's interesting because like yeah, I know. I mean, this is not a new revelation, but it's like we know more about casual acquaintances than we ever would. Because that's what pops up. Right. You know, that's what pops up on our various feeds. And, and like, it, winds, oh, okay. it, it winds up devaluing the intimacy of that yeah. in a real way. And so then suddenly we have to enter into these fictional spaces in order to get some of that feeling back. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, what I really like about the form is that feeling. I think what I, I, I do a lot of escape rooms whenever I can find free mm. time. And especially like... I'm very lucky that I get to travel a lot for festivals and then I'll like try to do a escape room in another country or some other city. So I get to like try a bunch. Be all careful. Over the place. Some of them aren't really escape <laughs> rooms. They're just rooms. <laughs> oh man. I had a weird one in Barcelona. That was like, um, Oh, what like, happened in Barcelona? Really, no, there was nice. There was, uh, uh, they, they, no, we're like, they, they kept jump scaring you, uh, throughout. There were like little holes like you were, the the concept was so strange. The concept was that you were um, the room was in Barcelona, but you were the premise of the room. The room was in Santa Fe. That was like where it was in you New were Mexico. In a, yes, you're like you're in a oh, hotel so in like, Santa Fe. What? That's that's the like. <laughs> Traveled to why said why know. Santa Fe in Toronto? That's like this is a museum heist in Montreal. I'm like why? That's, it's why Montreal? I don't know. Oh, because like, Toronto. Uh, wait, is, 
uh, Montreal's in Quebec. Toronto is not in Quebec. Right. right. Yeah. But so like there you they're, you know, they keep doing. We yeah, want but, to make fun but, of but, French but, Canadians. Yeah, there was something about, in Barcelona about the, the thing being like, this is, you're in Santa Fe. And I'm like, this is a strange place to travel. <laughs> what a weird. We're journalists trying to uncover, get enough proof of this serial killer. So you're actually given a camera. And one of the things you have to do in the escape room is take pictures of the five pieces of evidence in the various room oh. they can get. But the serial killer knows you're there and on to him. And so like they had these little holes cut in the wall that they'd hide. And every once in a while, and it was the same guy who, it was one person who like checked you in and operated the room, would just like pop his head in and scare you. And like one of them got me real good when I like ran to the safe because I, I figured out something in another room. I was like, oh, oh, I know where this goes. And ran back and he just like threw his head in. And I didn't know that a wall was even there. And I just screamed. <laughs> it, it was like... Yeah, and it was one of those things where I was like, like fell back and was like, oh, like there's no supervising anything here. Like any, anything can happen. <laughs> yeah. But like it's yeah, it's I do a lot of escape rooms though, and I and I realize one of the things I love about it is for that hour, you know, I turn in my phone and and I am very much a person who's glued to their mm-hmm. phone. Um, I turn on my phone. I'm not thinking about whatever emails I have. I'm not thinking about my other work. I'm not thinking about what other issues I have. Like for that hour, it's very easy for me to be like, okay, I have to escape this thing. And these are my, this is the premise. And this is what I have to do. And we got to solve these puzzles. And I'm like laser focused on those tasks and that world. And it feels great. Um, and then, you know, I get out and I'm like, okay, what what emails did I miss? What do I have to get back to? And, uh, but like, yeah, for that hour. And I think maybe that's what. I think that's maybe what first attracted me to starting to go to most of these shows because there is that I do like the eye contact. I like being like tracked into stuff. I like aspects of, of the kind of um, emotional manipulation. Like I appreciate good acting and, and good storytelling. Um, But then I don't know. I appreciate a show that can, that can stay with you and rattle you afterwards. Yeah. But then there's a lot of, I tend to, to think a lot about kind of the, the quandaries of that. Like there, there was, um, I got, I got really into Have You Seen Jake, which I think I met That's you. That's where we met. Yeah, we Jake. met on yeah. the finale, the last, the last of the last nights. Yeah. And I remember after doing, the second one, which I want to say is called Water and Fire. Yeah, that's fire, Water, yeah, and, water fire, and Fire. Water yeah. and Fire. And uh, that that one, I was thinking about for a long time afterwards about the difference between uh, like the real people involved and the characters. Mm. I think it was the first time that I just felt like they did such a good job making characters feel like they were part of the real world. Yeah. That... I was actually able to believe they had lives outside of my time spent with them. Yeah, no, that that was that was something that was they were particularly good at, and it's funny because like that group. You know they have a they have an upper limit capacity of how many people they can like really work with. Like they which don't also have... makes it super special because oh, it yeah. does feel like now it's one of those things where it's like oh were you like Jake is like in the lore of like yeah. oh did you do Jake like yeah I did and, Jake. and and they're probably they're probably gonna always be that way and and I feel like and I think some people you know. FOMO is an interesting thing because you can like flirt with FOMO and like some people want to feel like, oh yeah, I'm special because I did this. And then it's like, yeah, but like there's only so many slots and people get resentment. But the value is in them pioneering and trying things out and then other people kind of taking that and riffing on it. Because I, I see something like the the scale that Jake's working at as not as something, or Nocturnal Fandango is the name of the company, not as something that would, you know, oh, let's blow this up so we can get a thousand people through in a weekend. But no, instead it's like, let's get some creative minds through here so that they can go back to their cities or they can go into, you know, like their companies and build things of a similar depth 
in order to service, you know, a, a small group that would really be into it. And that, that for that kind of work, that's the future it's the of that kind of work. Velvet Underground thing. What they, yeah. what they used to say only 500 people ever bought a Velvet Underground album, but those 500 people all started a rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's what these things are. I mean, I'm always these days making calling this like a we're at the indie band sta- stage of the scene. And, you know, something like, and that's not entirely true because of, say, Sleep No More than She Fell, because right. those of Sleep No More in particular push through a lot of people. You know, seeing you, if it manages to stand, will probably push through a lot of people. Okay, I hope I get a chance to see, I, I think I'm going to be in New York at some point during its run, and so I'm hopeful I can see seeing you. I'm very curious about They're, they're having trouble that. starting up. Like, they've pushed back, I think, twice now because of some issue with Con Ed as of, uh, as of this recording. By the time this airs, it might be different. Got it. Sleep No More, though. I mean, I don't know. I, it's funny. I feel like it is popular now from, like, people who are, you know, in the scene to not quite shit on Sleep No More, but, like, kind of... There's a poo pooing. There, there, yeah. There's a little bit, or like people, like you know, you hear a lot of like, oh, it's not like it was, or like yeah. something like that, which I think is fair, and that happens as things grow. But yeah. I, I don't know. I if going to sleep no more that first time was something that blew my mind like wide open, and I can't. Um, whatever happens next, and how much more they commercialize it, like I can, it'll never take away the fact that that my brain learned something. Like I learned that something I, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Like I didn't, it, 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 there was something about going there that first time that, that, that just showed a whole world of possibilities. Like it was so exciting. Like I remember like both me, I went, my girlfriend and I both went, we both fell in love with it. We both like never saw each other throughout the whole show. And like, I just, just remember feeling like you're like a buzz with like, Oh, and here's ideas. Like that felt like very much like, Oh, yeah. Oh, what if somebody did this? Or what if somebody made this? Or yeah. what if how, like, and, uh, and like, yeah, there's, there's definitely, you can see why it's, it is what it is. And it's not necessarily what every person may want to get out of it, but, but it knows what do, it is. You have yeah. to do the thing to inspire, like Absolutely. you have to get it going to inspire, like how else you can riff on it. Yeah. And, and, and you, and you hope it's a situation where it's not like Disney made Disneyland and then everyone else tried and failed to replicate and just made like nice you right. know, theme parks with roller coasters. But that it, in fact, it winds up being, you know, Punch Drunk made Sleep No More, and then everyone said, oh, yeah, we can. And I think partly because, like, it's so it's so accomplished in terms of scale and to the point of being intimidating. The fact that everyone else sort of has to work with smaller tools forces everyone yeah. to be more innovative. Yeah, in I mean, I can do. see that because it's like, yeah, in L.A., we don't have anybody with the resources to build the Sleep No More set. And the Sleep No More set is what is immediately mind-blowing. Yeah. Because it's what you see before. I, so I, I get that. But we don't have anyone... I, I think, I think with the daunting. resources, we don't have anyone crazy enough to do it because we don't have a, a, a built-in theater tourism industry, right? Sure. Like that's... But, but the funny thing is we have the theme park tourism industry. So like if you... You divert the right people, suddenly you got the, the right thing. Well, that's how the theme park... I mean, it's, it's, it's still... I mean... That's how we got the theme park industry, though. I, I I still love the the whole idea. What fascinates me most about Disneyland is the creation of Disneyland. Like it should not exist. It's just Walt being incredibly crazy and saying like, "I want to build this, and I'm going to take everybody from my successful motion picture company and take them away from those jobs." Like uh, so that so this industry will suffer, and then t- and then bet this company essentially on. The fact that I'm going to clear an orange grove and make uh, this 
theme park. Oh, and also theme park is a word, is a concept I invented. And uh, and we're gonna make these rides. Oh, and we'll figure out what the rides are and design the technology that makes the rides. Yeah, like that's just such an insane. And oh, we'll yeah. do it in a year. <laughs> like wait 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 wait. They did. They they built it in a year. Yeah, Disneyland started. I think they started construction in 1954, and it opened like just about a year later. They moved really fast. Jesus. It went really quickly from like I, I he was gonna make a care. He was gonna make. Well, he you know I know he had he had the Carolwood. He was he had the train in his backyard. Right. And he was super obsessed with miniatures. And I know he would take he'd get he'd take his kids to the Griffith Park Carrots merry-go-round, and get he had the idea to like make oh I want like a Coney Island but clean and and there'll be worlds <laughs> and like to and and fan letters coming in about like wanting to visit the studio and him thinking that's not exciting for children. So it's like it went really quickly from like oh we'll have a train near the studio to like oh no we'll build this and then it's like oh this is too big to do here let's find some land <laughs> elsewhere. Like just how that idea went that that all happened. In a really short amount of time, and then mm. once they started building, they built real fast. I know that there's a let a rumor that because they, they knew they needed to build the Jungle Cruise first to be ready in time, that um, somebody, uh, I think this guy Harper Goff, I want to say, like just put a line in the dirt of like what it would look like, and that's what they just started digging. <laughs> now, now you're you just you just cursed me to like fall down the rabbit hole because as as I used to like to say, I was born in the shadow of the Matterhorn because I was born in Orange County. Oh wow! Some of my earliest memories, my literal earliest memories, are of either the park or of the silhouettes of the park. Yeah, I do, and it, it, it's same. I used to go because I yeah, I was a SoCal kid, and so I used to we and and you know it was free on your birthday, and we had a big friend group, and so it's like everybody would go. You'd go like seventeen times, and. Now I understand why I could never understand why parents just didn't want to be the ones to take their kids or <laughs> no, like just felt exhausted. Yeah. But like, no, it's it's funny it, 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 as this immersive community like grows, or as I meet more people in it, or 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 like listen to your podcast or like learn more about things. It, what I've really learned is how there's very much a type. Like, there's no. I, I I've learned we're all far less special than we think <laughs> we are. Like, it's just like you it's meet true. somebody. It's like oh. You like escape rooms? Oh, you're super into Disneyland? Oh, you like, you know, you, it, it's just all the same. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it feels like you're... It, it makes me almost feel like I, I didn't have a choice to be into this stuff. Oh, yeah, no. I look I look, I look look back and I, I know it was inevitable. Yeah. Like, I loved mm-hmm. Disneyland well before I knew what the term... Yeah. immersive or kind of what a berm was or yeah. things of that nature i was i was messing around with you know rudimentary site-specific theater stuff like in college just on instinct yeah no i was mm-hmm. right my family were like were really much believers in like art is the most important thing and uh and would take me to very experimental kind of shows early on that's actually how i ended up i ended up seeing tamara as a kid because oh, my that's right. mother Forgot was like God, we, we need to go an, see this we could spend an episode just like land like landon has childhood <laughs> memories of tomorrow we should do that episode we I, uh, no it's tomorrow is an interesting we'll, we'll hold on show. that we'll okay. hold that because like this is the new format so like we're, we've been at oh, 40 post episode post, 100 post episode 100 this is either this is either going to be 101 or 102 so um, um i feel like yeah uh I think it's I gonna mean, be 102 we're we are bouncing around we on are bouncing topics, around. it's all it's I, all good uh, we need to do this again is <laughs> what we've learned very rapidly um but uh let's 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 move to a wrap here which is this here's a question for you and and um here's a question for you oh that's a classic noahism um what would you if people are 
if people are thinking, because people aren't going to be able to like submit, right? But if people are thinking of like, what is it that you're going to be looking for to like plug in? That's what do you what do you want to what do you want to see bubble up to bring to Overlook? You know, for now, I mean, we definitely want to expand what we're what we're showing, like as far as outside work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we definitely, and we also are interested in 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 kind of the idea of debuting new work, although I feel like that's kind of a longer road. Um, for now, it's more, we need to see it. And and we're, it has to be horror, obviously. Right. Like, it has to be something that qualifies as horror. Because um, I, I think the ABC project, for example, it, it I don't want to give anything away about the the tone of it, but it, it definitely, it immediately qualifies as something that could play even though i wouldn't call it a haunt or a horror piece right but luckily the premise gives us the wiggle room to program it at at the festival um and and so it has to be something that's in that sphere and we do that with the movies too because not every film we play is a straight up like horror slasher like we'll we'll subvert the genre where we can if it means we have a variety in the program so we're looking for variety at the moment you know we do need to do something that 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 has um, enough that has resources we can conceivably mount. Um, yeah. We are still a non we're a nonprofit with very little actual like operating money. We stretch every dollar. You know, we do this festival for the love of it, and 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 so we can't at the moment put on incredibly expensive work. Um, I also think if we did that, that would also kind of change the spirit of the of right. the festival as well. So we are operating like, you know, we do want to give people an opportunity who don't have a lot of resources, but it has to be impactful yeah. because we can't, you know, we don't want to mount immersive just to mount immersive. Right. Um, we do have our game, which is, um, you know, that's supposed to, that's meant to be something that just sort of permeates every aspect of the festival and something that kind of goes through the fest and that you can play uh, kind of you can either commit to playing or play at your leisure. Um, and that's sort of our, you know, our, our kind of activity that either introduces you to immersive or, or, or allows you to sort of uh, play around in between and, 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 and welcome you into the festival. Uh, but the individual shows, I think, have to be at, at kind of a different level than, than that. Because if you're going to commit time to take away from a screening and go do these shows, right. like... I think it needs to be an experience that that you're really going to get something out of it. I mean, for for us, kind of the big success story was the chalet uh, because we exposed a lot of people to it who didn't know what they were getting into, yeah. and we've and, had no chance whatsoever to see. Right, it. Yeah. and 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 the, and it's just not the Hollywood fringe audience, even though a lot of people from Los Angeles and New York did it, and like they're, and then they were able to get something out of it. I mean, we knew we had, you know, we we'd seen the show, we knew we had a great show mm-hmm. that we could connect to people and you know annie was and 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 kate and Teresa were kind enough to kind of come and and mount it um and so it's like we're looking for that we can't like i we don't want to play we're not going to program at this stage immersive just to have immersive it still has to kind of fit it it has to be something that feels like it'll both benefit the festival and the artist and the audience going to it i don't really know how to clearly say like at the moment uh, Mike and myself will be going to as many shows as possible. Um, you know, we try not to miss shows. My, uh, Mike uh, is in LA less than I am even so, but he uh, he's incredibly good about research. He probably reads more about immersive than, than anyone I know, but, 
but doesn't participate as much. Oh, uh, whereas I will like go, I try to know as little as possible and then we'll go to every single thing. That's I a can. good balance between the two of you. Um, no, you, it's a good yeah. partnership. He actually, at some point, if you had him on the show, you guys would have a very interesting conversation. He oh. has a good, our partnership works really well because we have very, we're very similar, but we're also very different in our approach to programming. And so it caught like, there's a lot of, we ultimately have to agree on everything, but like, at least we have to agree to show something, but right. like the, um, uh, it's, it's his perspective on immersive is really fascinating. Cause he comes, he comes from, he comes from it from a more heady perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, like, for, for an example, he's never done the tension experience, but he's probably read more about tension than than many people who have gone through it. Like, all right, he, well, make he, it happen, make it happen, he, uh, get him on the show. Yeah. I want, I want to have that conversation. In, in fact, and I'll and I'll go in, I'll go in as cold as possible. That'd yeah. be kind of fun. <laughs> to, yeah, to talk to him. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. So at the moment, it's tough to tell. Uh, I keep saying at the moment, but like, uh, it's because uh, it'll evolve. Because it's the beginning and like figuring out how to yeah. place this stuff. And and but I'd think, like to get to the point where we do take submissions. I just don't know how that works. That's going to yeah. take a lot of thought. You know. Uh, Festivals have been showing VR for uh, years now, a couple of years, and have only just started a submission structure. Yeah. So I know Fantasia takes submissions at Sundance, where I also work. We were or started to take submissions there's, uh, there's, just this last festival. There's a system Indicate uses that might that might help, and it's not too dissimilar from. Um, from uh, film festivals, yeah. the thing is, because this stuff is often location based, it's just a matter of like, right. you know your your jurors are. And that's the know, other thing; somewhere. it needs to be adaptable. Like yeah. a, apartment eight, you can see how you might be able to do that in a hotel room. Blackout has done hotel based experiences, yeah. So th- they translate well. You yeah. don't want to like. It, there's a, there's going to be a scale to what happens at Overlook because of the physical plant you have, but that scale is is one of the more fun scales in immersive because it tends to be intimate. We do want it to we do want to make kind of a dark carnival, but there's also the danger of you can't you can't overstuff it. Um, and the same one with our films. You know, a lot of film festivals play over a hundred films. We play maybe 25, 25 yeah. 26 films. We keep it really tight. So the yeah. the whole the whole idea is. You know, we want a robust section, but it's got to be a. It's still going to have to be a small section. The hotel is grand in many ways, but it's also very compact in many ways. Mm. And if you're going to alienate people, if you ju- and you're going to overcrowd the system, if you like every corner you walk into oh, yeah, is no, some no, 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 no. thing, like it no. can become overwhelming. I think that's not how you gain new fans. No, um, you want. We love secrets and we love pop ups, and so you definitely want to squeeze things in the corners. But you want it to be a nice surprise. You want people to be able to stumble into something. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about Chalet and Blackout selling out all their slots in, I think, under two hours after we release them shows, and then the fact that both Chalet and Blackout were very well received shows that there's a capacity for this. Yeah. Um, the the fact that people know that there's a game you can play is definitely very helpful. Um, in terms of of people understanding, oh, if I come here, there'll be immersive activity. I think, uh, I think also the fact that all the uh, a, a lot of the um, kind of press coming out of the festival w- had a focus on the interactive is also going to help yeah. kind of um, uh, brace our you know next yeah. year's audience about what we can do. But 
Yeah, I, I, I'd love to get at least, I'd love to get four to six pieces up up oh, wow. there yeah. uh, if we can. Right. You know, um, there's again, there's a lot of constraints, uh, and like, yeah, at least Mike or I have to at least see the piece, understand the piece. Ideally, both of us have to see it. Yeah. I don't know how people can get them. I, I, I just don't know how people can get them to us. You yeah. know, we're happy to go and see other people's shows. We want to support the community. Yeah. Um, luckily, we travel a lot, so so we're able to see. There. Yeah, we're yeah. able to see pieces everywhere. I'd love to get more international over there, but that also feels like a long-term goal. Yeah. I mean, eventually we'd love to have all the live elements because we do a lot. Of, we do non-immersive live yeah. shows that feel like unique experiences as well. And so we'd love to have all of that together just be as rich and full as the film program. You know, the film program right now is very international. It It's very much a mix of world premieres and kind of films that you're really anticipating. You know, we were able to do this amazing secret screening of, uh, uh, of world premiering It Comes at Night. And so it's like we'd love to somehow find the immersive equivalent right. of doing things like that. Uh, and bringing them, bringing them to the festival. The it, because we've only just done the one right now. There's still a lot of opportunity to shape what this is. Mm. Uh, so it's nice because at the like the boundaries haven't been set yet. So our only restrictions are what we can actually logistically pull off. Back to the core. Can yeah. you pull it off? Can you do it safely? And yeah, then exactly. Think about the, the, the quality of the experience. Yeah. All right. That's a great place to stop. <laughs> uh, we, could, we probably will continue talking afterwards. I apologize to everybody. Uh, you don't get to share in on that. But uh, we'll do this again. We got to do this again. Uh, let's, let's, let, we should do like a Disney history. We should get like a, a group together to like... Find Just like do a Disney Disney history, Disney history on, thing. Yeah, I that's why I listened to uh, the the one you did about the nest. Uh, you guys went into Disney history uh, yeah. for a while. Yeah, those, and they I, might I be really able to us. Maybe those one. guys can school us. We'll find somebody. It'll be good. All right, Man, Landon. The nest is good. Nest is good. <laughs> Landon, thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Once again, want to thank Landon Zackheim, the co-director of the Overlook Film Fest, for being our guest on the show today. You can find the Overlook Film Fest at overlookfilmfest.com. They are also the Overlook Fest on Twitter and the Overlook and Overlook Film Festival, no the, on Facebook and Instagram. Check it out. There will be more next year, almost certainly up at the Timberline Lodge. The robot is breaking down. Um, look, I'm, um, this is my part of the show, right? It's, uh, it's, 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 um, 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 at the coffee table with Noah. No, 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 that doesn't work. Uh, we'll, we'll find a name. Morgan, would you like to name this segment of the show? Uh, we will find a name for this segment of the show. Um, I'm busy right now. Oh, God, am I busy. Uh, It's a good kind of busy, but it's also a frantic kind of busy. So my thoughts are a little scattered as Fringe has sort of taken all things over. Now, something I was going to mention at the start of the show, which didn't, uh, and I probably should have, is that we've got this amazing panel on the 10th which, while I'm recording this, is tomorrow, Saturday the 10th, at the Hollywood Fringe Festival at 11 a.m. at the Uptown. And there are links all over the place. You'll find them in Everything Immersive this week and at Everything Immersive and yada, yada, yada. We've got Monica Miklas of Capital W, for making red flags. We've got Ali Miller, who is with 
Cherry Poppins, which is this fantastic burlesque troupe that is representing the cabaret portion of Fringe. And then we've got David Rizica from The Willows, and we've got Jeff Leinenweber from The Nest, and we call it the Fringe of the Fringe panel. These are amazing producers, so much wisdom, so much insight. Ugh, I, don't, I don't like how that sounds. Um, if I wanted to pick the brains of people who are making interesting work and who are making it work at and at the edges of the fringe in both immersive and other non-traditional theater, I would want to have access to these folks and they're going to be there. And we're going to have a nice loose conversation. And then depending on how it goes and how many people are around, we're going to open up the floor to reasonable questions, questions, not comments, reasonable questions from the audience, a loose little town hall style discussion. Why? Because we love you. So don't, miss this opportunity, especially if you want to make this kind of work, especially if you want to understand how to stand out in Fringe when there are 375 shows. Oh my God, people, opening night was insane. There was a line out the door for like an hour plus to get into Fringe Central. I'm usually a nerd and they're right at the start. Like I was, and then I had to like run off to something and I snuck back in because yeah. Um, and, and the line was still there. The line was still there and that blew my mind. We are facing an explosion of talent and ambition here in Los Angeles across the theater scene. And that is so exciting. And we are finding across the country, all of this immersive work is emerging along all these different vectors. And the thing that we need and the thing that's going to be in danger as real estate prices go up in urban cores is we need land and we need buildings and we need theater and non-traditional theater spaces to do this work. That is something that requires um, political action. It requires lobbying your local representatives. It requires talking to the state level. It requires laying down an infrastructure. These are not sexy things. These are not amazing art things. These are not experiences that will blow your mind. Oh, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. But they are the necessary conditions for the continuation of this work. So don't be surprised as we keep on talking about it. Don't be surprised when we ask you to do things because we're gonna. And don't be surprised when things feel like they take longer than they should, and then all of a sudden, like magic, are just happening. But it was never magic. No, it was never magic. It's hard work, and it's the long game. And after 102 episodes of a podcast, I think I feel confident in saying, we know the long game. We know how to do it. And I'm not talking to me. I'm talking us. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for being part of these efforts. All right. Um, look, uh, there's no time for pleasantries this time out. Uh, there's friend shows calling. There's reviews that need to be written. There's features that need to be written. There's a little birdies who need to be fed and also recruited and put into cages. I mean, uh, uh, talked to. 
And if you like, if you envision yourself as a little birdie somewhere off in the universe, uh, maybe you email me at Noah at nopersinium.com. You can also find us on the Twitter at nopersinium. You can find us on Facebook, also nopersinium. Really, the thing you should do most of all is go to nopersinium.com. And if you have a Medium account, follow us on Medium, no Persinium. This is the guide to everything immersive. This is how you get all the news that is fit to be written about immersive things. We're bringing more people on all the time. We got the doors open for people who want to be associate reviewers. We've got uh, other positions available. If you want to talk to us, we are a pirate armada. That Patreon thing—that's the only source of income. So if you're a, if you're a professional writer who's looking to pitch us, I would love to have the budget to hire you. We don't currently. One day, one day. So you know, go back back to the part with the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/NoPersinium. If you want, if you want us to be able to hire professional writers and get like some really awesome work going, that's where you go. Help us out that way. All right, um, it's a busy time. It's going to get busier. We've got some major announcements about ready to drop, just some things that need to be signed off on. So hopefully next week I've got some big news for you that'll go at the top of the show. Barring that, the panel is this weekend. There's also a party at Stephanie Fury Studio Theater on Sunday night, 7 to 10. You're probably going to pop into that. It's a little mixer going on. Got more fringe goodness coming up for those of you who are out here in the Southland. Next week on the show, we're getting unlocal again. Because the Overlook wasn't really local. But we're going to talk about a big topic. We're going to talk about LARPs. Oh, yeah. I've got Jason Carl of By Night Studios, the publishers of the Vampire LARP, The Masquerade, was here at the kitchen table. We had another great conversation. Just a lot of great conversations lately. Even more coming up on the show soon. On that note, I got to get going. I got to get this to you guys. So, go out there, catch some shows, let us know what you think, give us some feedback, noah at nopersinium.com. You know where to find everything immersive, everythingimmersive.com, leads you to the Facebook group. That's all you really need to know. If you want to get in on the secret, secret, secret stuff, the Slack's still around. Email me if you want to be on the Slack. All right, next week, Jason Carl, By Night Studios. Until then, I'll see you at the show. (laughs) 